you have to get like single-minded and obsessed mm-hmm. about what you're doing. You have to like like Batman Begins that shit. Wow. And, okay. And it has to be. You can't. You can, it's okay to be scared. Like fear is okay, but you can't let it paralyze you. You have to let it energize you and to push you forward. Yo, family, what's going on? What's going down? What's shaking? Welcome to Jonathan Souls Podcast. This is Jonathan Souls speak with you now. Here on Jonathan Souls Sundays, every Sunday, every Sunday, I talk to an artist, a writer, a filmmaker, an expat, an entrepreneur, somebody who's creating the kind of world that they want to live in. So if you have any interest in these fields, any curiosity, any desire to create your own path, this is the show that you need to tune into. At the end of the interview, you'll hear their contact information where you can reach out to them, purchase services, uh, get their books, their novels, their art, whatever it is. And of course, go to JonathanSoul.com and pick up my novel, Malcolm Mars, the sci-fi novel I wrote, and you can support this broadcast. All right, family, without further ado, let's get into the program. Jonathan Soul Sundays. I got the honor and privilege of speaking to a man of multiple talents. Not only is he a comic book creator, not only is he a team builder, but he's also an actor. He also has some uh, some film credits to his name. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you David Crownson. How you doing, brother? How's it going? Real good, man. Real good. So we're going to get into your Harriet Tubman Demon Slayer comic, which I think is like crazy awesome. Um, but I wanted to, to to let the audience get to know you a little better. Um, tell us about yourself. Uh, you know, tell us about the acting and tell us how the comic came about. Oh, yeah. I, I was I'm born and raised in New Jersey to two um, parents who are from Ghana, West Africa. OK, uh, I grew up reading comic books and loving comics. I think the first comic book um, my dad got me was actually The Death of Superman. Wow, and, uh, that's cool. Okay. Yeah, that was, yeah, and, and that um, that was a great comic because it basically, I hadn't read about, I knew who Superman was and I knew like the origins and stuff, but that was my intro. So it was interesting to read a comic book about the superhero that was never there. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, you got to like see the importance of a world without that character. And also to see like the sacrifice of him, like, you know, fighting this monster to death. Um, but yeah, I was always really interested and always loved comic books growing up. And, um, from there, but, but I, I was kind of bad at drawing. I, I tried for the life of me to draw like, um, really nice fancy illustrated comic but they didn't come out too well so i kind of made my own little like goofy cartoons sure um for fun because i would try to have it in a comic strip form and uh then i you know found acting in high school and um did a few plays but was a little bit nervous about doing any type of theater because i was you know picked on and ridiculed a lot um, you know, being a black man and, and being a nerd and loving theater, that, that's a hard walk. <laughs> Dude, cool. it was only three of us when I went to go see Julius Caesar at the, uh, the uh, what's the name of the playhouse around here? Some Shakespeare playhouse here in D.C. Um, I wanted to see it because I saw 
like the Shakespeare Company out of uh, Britain do this dope um, like little rendition, like it was Africans in it, and they, it was a real African vibe. They had like uh, libations and the whole nine, and acting was tight. So I get it. You know, you being one of the few brothers in that kind of situation, I could dig that. Oh, yeah. So I got made fun of a lot for it. And then my dad, um, he told me, I think I was talking to my dad, and he, he said, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, I think I want to try acting and, you know, maybe like writing or maybe I'll direct them, but I really want to do acting. And my dad, you know, for the first time just said, oh, okay, like, all right, do it, you know? And then two years later, like, my dad passed away. Mm, and, sorry. you know, yeah, I was still like, it kind of like took me by surprise. Like, you know, life is short, so I, I kind of have to um, take advantage of being alive. Right. And doing things that, no, not just because, oh, it makes me happy, because it fulfills me. Mm-hmm. And when something fulfills you, I think it, you bless other people um, by doing that. Yep. So I, I enrolled into a performing arts high school and haven't looked back and, you know, went to college and then did a two-year conservatory and did a few plays and a few short films and uh, was writing uh, scripts, like, for fun on the side. And uh, what else? I think uh, I was auditioning a lot, like a few years ago, like two, three years ago. Mm-hmm. And I was really stressed out because I had, um, I was I auditioned for first, I was auditioning for a Steve McQueen uh, TV show. It was a pilot that Steve McQueen wrote and directed. And then I was auditioning for Orange is the New Black. And then I was auditioning for uh, Star Wars: The Force Awakens. I could have been Finn, damn it! I could, I could have been <laughs> me, baby. Right. What's it called? Um, what's it called? So, basically, uh, so I was just really stressed because I was doing all of those back to back, and the audition for Star Wars was a very stressful audition mm-hmm. because I, I didn't know I was auditioning for Star Wars at first. How you not know man. that? They didn't have the lightsaber on the table? I mean, when you walked oh, in? No. I mean... <laughs> no, no. What happens is I think my manager, she sent me the side. And the, the way it was pitched to me and my team, um, like my manager is my agent, it was a, it was a quote-unquote a war movie, mm-hmm. an army war epic produced by J.J. Abrams. And J.J. Oh, okay. Abrams produces like a bunch of movies. So it's like, okay, we so there's not going to be any problems or anything like that there. So, so what happened? So basically I go in and I audition and it was a small role, but then I got a call back. And I remember my agent said, Oh, they liked it. They didn't want you to have like a bigger role in it. So I went back and I tested again and they, and they really liked me. They said, okay, we want him to come back again. Wow. <laughs> um, okay. And memorize this and then come in for like, a, like a, almost like a lead role almost. Mm-hmm. And, so I went in, but this was going to be at a different building. And my manager said, you can't tell anyone about this. Hmm. I'm like, I'm like, all right. I never, I, like, I'm not really loud about my, my business on social media. I'm kind of quiet right. until something actually happens. But my manager was really adamant. He's like, you cannot say anything. I'm like, yo, I'm like, what the hell is your problem? Like, yo, relax. It's not that deep. It's just like, it's, it's relaxed. <laughs> okay. Mm. So this was at a different location. I go to the location. I take the elevator. 
the elevator doors open and it's these big green letters and they just say, um, it's like Lucasfilm. Wow. And I'm like, and I was like, what? <laughs> what? What? It's ours. What the fuck? I, I don't know if I can curse on this podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was like, I was like what the fuck? <laughs> it's, it's ours. What the fuck? And I'm like walking in the office, and there's I see like the bad robot stuff, and I'm like, oh, what? The, I, oh, wow. I already knew that, what, that it was bad robot, but what the fuck? <laughs> and then, and then like this gorgeous woman, like this, she's like the most gorgeous redhead you've ever seen in your life. Uh-huh. She's like Mr. Crownson, welcome. And I was like, oh shit, she knows my name. <laughs> I don't know why I was like so impressed by right, that. Right, but right. usually when you go into an audition, you just go into like a small room and you do your stuff. But there, there, there was a couch. They were like, hey, do you want some food? Are you hungry? And I was like, yes, yes, I am. I will take all the free food. Wow. And, like, you know, they gave me, like, um, like some green juice and, like, water. And I'm like, wow, I don't care, man. I, said, I don't care what business. I'm going to do it. Right. Um, and then walking into the audition, usually when, with actors, when you audition for something, there's only um, one or two people in the room. But when I walked into the room, there was, like, a party of people. Wow. It was it was it was like walking in and like the Wu Tang clan was in there. Wow. It was okay. like it was like twelve of these people. Hmm. I'm like I'm I'm like goodness. And uh, I was a little overwhelmed by it because I wasn't expecting it to be that crowded. Hmm. Um so yeah, I did it a few times. Uh the first scene wasn't in the movie. <laughs> Mm-hmm. The sec, the second scene. I don't know if you've seen the. Now describe, awakening. describe that process. So you, do you have like a printout in your hand, and somebody says one part, they may be sitting down, and you're saying the other part. Like, how does that work? So basically, there's a bunch of people behind the camera. They're all sitting down. Some of them are producers. Some of them are assistants. Some of them are casting directors. Mm-hmm. And or some of them are just go- are just goofy friends. Like one person was there, and they had a dog in their hand. Wow. And I was like, really. Um, <laughs> And one person reads off screen, and mm-hmm. it's you in the center. And I, I had the lines memorized because if I didn't, like for me as an actor, I need to have the lines completely fully memorized. Right. Um, and you just you know you, you just act opposite the person, and you perform and you work off of them, and then they yell cut and they say, "Hey, that was great. Try it this way, or try not to be so angry, or, or be more angry." And they give you basic direction, and you do it. But then you do it like four or five times. Mm-hmm. And they give you direction, and they make you do it differently each time. And then they say thank you, and then you and then you say thank you for what's taking the time to see me, and then you leave. And I was really like excited, and I felt good about it. I wasn't sure if I was going to get it, but I was really stressed out. Mm-hmm. And because uh, I, I was doing that audition, and Orange is the New Black, and um, the, the Steve McQueen TV pilot, and it was a very stressful time. And I was living in Harlem, New York at the time, and mm. just a little bit stressed and kind of weathered down. And my mom said, hey, if you don't get any of these auditions, you need to go to Africa and just like take a break from the city. Mm-hmm. Just move to Africa because my parents were originally from Ghana right. and just live with us and t- just take a break. And um, so, so then when John Boyega was announced <laughs> to be... In Star Wars, I'm like, all right, that's it, I'm out. <laughs> time, to, time, to, time to get their plane ticket. Now, now, you said that you write as well, right? Yes, yes. Because I when I'm going life. through the book, it does have a bit of what I would say a cinematic feel to it. The way it's, you know, from scene to scene, and you know, the dialogue is is pretty uh, is pretty uh, efficient. 
You know what I mean? It's not a lot of talk because it's mostly action scene. Um, now, in terms of the way the pages were laid out and everything, I mean, th- did you have uh, any input with it? And, and by the way, ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking to uh, the actor, the comic creator, the writer, David Crownson. And uh, he uh, created this wonderful comic called uh, Harriet Tubman Demon Slayer, uh, fictionalizing uh, the great uh, freedom fighter, uh, Harry Tubman, and he has a terrific artist, Cortland Ellis, who did a fantastic job on this book. Um, tell us a little bit about the process. Uh, you wrote the script for the book. I mean, did you just do it like in one sitting? Was it something you worked on over a period of months? How was that? Yeah, so first of all, I came up with the, I don't know, you want me to talk about how I came up with the idea? Oh, well, okay, we'll talk about the, the process of writing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I bought a book by my favorite comic book writer, Brian Michael Bendis. Wow, okay. Uh, called Work. Yeah, I love him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he writes Ultimate Spider-Man. He created Miles Morales. Yep. Um, and he's done a bunch of other awesome stuff for Marvel, too. And Jessica, he wrote, the, he created Jessica Jones. He's my favorite comic book character. So I bought the book, and it, the book was just about how to write, how to write comic books and how to be effective and significant in the business side of selling and marketing your comic book. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I've, I've already learned how to write screenplays through books. I just needed to learn um, how to do comic books. And not much is different, only like you have to be very, you have to be a little bit more specific um, with, with the actions and how people are placed. And you have to be, you have to be super duper specific. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and super duper clear in the intentions of every single character. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew I knew the the full blown like there's going to be 15 issues, and I had the full 15 blown issues in my head. Wow. Um, and uh, I outlined them. And the first issue, so I, so this is a, I'm also like learning how to write a comic book. So I started writing the first issue about a, a little about I want to say maybe about a year ago around this time, maybe mm-hmm. probably like a little bit earlier, like probably I think March, I started writing the first issue. Okay. And then um, I finished it and then I started to type it up and I would kind of like edit and, and clean it up and add some things. I knew how it was going to end. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of like, I knew, I knew the structure contextually. I just kind of spent time on the content of it. And then I would put it down for a little bit because I'm like, oh, like, I'm like, oh, comics are expensive. I don't know how I'm going to get someone to draw all this. Right. Um, and I want to, I want it to look good. I don't want it to look crappy. So I put it down for a, a, a bit, and then um, I got inspired to do a Kickstarter when all my friends were kind of like uh, pushing me to do a Kickstarter, mm-hmm. and because I had shown them some art that I had paid Portland to do, like the, the cover of the book, I actually. That's the first thing Cortland ever drew. Mm-hmm. And is that what you put on Facebook that kind of started the buzz? Oh, yeah. I, I, I put it on Facebook for fun um, to see what would happen. And I, I kind of I I forgot that I put it on Facebook. And uh, I put it on Facebook, and I was driving my mom somewhere. And I turned off my phone so I could, like, save battery and stuff and then i turned my phone back on and i went on facebook and i had like 
like 90 new notifications on Facebook and like wow. my Twitter and my Instagram was going crazy. I'm like, Oh no, what happened? I'm like, Oh no, I was kind of nervous. Like, cause I forgot about it. Right. And it was where everyone was talking about my book and it was trending. It was trending for wow. so that entire, it was, I posted it last summer in July and it was trending throughout uh, that summer. That's beautiful. It's beautiful. So oh, yeah. you did the Kickstarter. Did you reach your goal? Did you exceed yeah. it? How did it work? Yeah, I put the Kickstarter. I was nervous about doing the Kickstarter uh, because mainly, like, when I do auditions, if I fail, if I fail um, at an audition, well, that's not like all the failure, but if I don't get a part, you know, it's my own thing that I own. Mm-hmm. And no one has to know about it, except me and, like, my agent and, like, my manager or something. But for the Kickstarter, like, you have to let a lot of people know what you're doing. You have to let a lot of people into your business um, because you want to engage um, groups of people Mm -hmm. and a a whole community of people. So I was scared. I'm like, oh, what if I fail? And then everyone sees that I fail. But then I, you know, there's that famous quote of like, oh, what if I fall? Then the person talking to them says, oh, honey, what if you fly? What if you make it? Right. So... I, I, my, I did the Kickstarter, and this was like a few weeks after um, a certain president was elected. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, after that election, all my friends were like, you really need to get on that now. We need to see that comic today. And I'm like, okay, cool. I got it. We're going to do it. And, yeah, I, I launched the Kickstarter, and through the prayers of my family <laughs> and then this will me just kind of putting myself out there and not caring about um, what, what, or focusing on the negative. Oh, what if I fail? I kept on talking about the possibility of the project and the idea of the project. And um, now the same courage, the same courage that you need in your, you know, acting and auditioning. Is that the same courage that you needed to bring this comic to life? Yes. Yes. Hmm. Yes. Okay. You have to be completely bold and focused and inspired. You have to show up inspired, energized all the time. And it can be scary because th- there was a time where the, for two days no one was donating and I got like nervous for a second. I'm like, oh no. But then I, and then I just had to maybe tweet, tweet more or tweet certain people or Facebook message more people or share more or even go on Facebook live and talk about my book and uh, get, get more. You have to get like single minded and obsessed mm-hmm. about what you're doing. You have to like, like Batman begins that shit. Wow. And, okay. and it, it has to be, you can't, you can, it's okay to be scared. Like fear is okay, but you can't let it paralyze. You, you have to let it energize you and to push you forward. Right. You know, and that's what I did um, every single day. And the goal was um, originally I, I just wanted to raise 5000 but my friends and also some of my mentors said you should go for 15000 because it's going to cost money to market and to distribute. And at one time, I didn't know I was going to self-publish. So I went to 15000 and we reached we, – we raised uh, $21,000. Wow, that's amazing. And, that's amazing. Yeah, and it, and it was during the month of um, uh, what's it called? It was during December, which like Cor- Cortland, Cortland was Cortland a little bit uh, said, I don't know if we should do it in December mm-hmm. because it's Christmas. 
he says, man, that's kind of risky. And I'm like, my equipment manager, just trust me, I can do it. Let's just trust that I can do this. And uh, he was like, okay, I think we should have waited till the summer. Right. But, you know, we we did it, you know, and it wasn't just me, like, oh, oh look at me. Like, Portland, I asked him to do some promotional art, and he, he did that. And at the time, I didn't really have any, um, I didn't really have much, much money mm-hmm. at all, <laughs> wow. you know. And he said, okay, like, I'll do this now. Just pay me back afterwards when we, like, raise it if, if there's, like, extra. And I'm like, cool. And, that, and that's what we did, that's you know, amazing. and... Yeah, and it was a, a great uh, time, and I went back, and once we raised it, I, you know, edited some things, and I gave the, the comic over, the script. Actually, I, I had already given the, the script over to Cortland, but I kind of, like, just went back to edit some of the dialogue a little bit, um, and some things I wanted to add visually to make it look even cooler and, like, and also funnier, mm-hmm. and, you know, gave it to him, and, yeah, and uh, now... Um, the the book is out, and actually, no, there was one other thing. Um, once the comic was already drawn and done, mm-hmm. um, one of my friends, who's also I just and you have to do this because no one's perfect at anything. Um, my friend, uh, my friend Dana Verde, who is an amazing director and an amazing screenwriter, she wrote a script called. Uh, uh, that Queen Latifah produced called Perfect Match. Mm-hmm. And she's writing and producing and pitching a bunch of movies. She's a complete badass. She's like, she's like, she's like the black woman version of J.J. Abrams. Wow. And, okay. And she's killing it right now. She's going to blow up and it's going to be huge. And I mm-hmm. told her about the comic book and she was really passionate, passionate about it. And she said, hey, like, I want to adapt. Harriet Tubman Demon Flare, like when you're ready. Wow. And, I, and I'm like, I'm like, cool. And so I had her kind of like, we had a, a fun collaboration because the com- comics are all collaboration. Mm-hmm. Unless like you can draw, letter, color, edit, and do, but like even then you still need help. Yeah. Um, so, so what are you saying? Uh, you're saying that we're going to have a trailer to come out pretty soon? Harriet Tubman Demon Slayer? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> A little all, YouTube trailer. All, all, all I'm saying is, I mean, it, it would be, I won't confirm or deny, but it would be really cool <laughs> if it was like a TV show on Netflix. That's all I'm going to say. Dude, I mean, Marvel got, what do they got? I just saw Defenders. That's on Netflix, oh, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's on Netflix. So you got Iron Fist, you got Luke Cage, you got Jessica, you got uh, Daredevil. Now yes. you got the Defenders. Jesus Christ! And then uh, I saw something that Hulu is carrying the the Runaways or something. Yeah, they're carrying the Runaways and they're carrying Cloak and Dagger. Wow! I mean, straight B and C list heroes to the big screen. That's something. Oh yeah, yeah! Like it's a it's a really cool time to to be a comic book fan and yep. to be um, into comics. So yep. yeah, yeah, like. I, I, uh, at first, I wanted Harriet Tubman Demon Slayer to be, you know, a, a movie or something like that. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I decided that maybe it'd, it'd probably be cooler as a TV show. And that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> cool. Well, listen, ladies and gentlemen, we've been talking to the wonderful David Crownson. He's an actor, a comic book creator, and he brought us Harriet Tubman Demon Slayer. Uh, David, where can we grab the book? You can grab the book on PeteGameComics.com. 
Um, and also, it'll be available on uh, Comixology, which is owned by Amazon. So you can download it and read it with a guide view on on Comixology if you have like a Kindle or an iPad or even on your phone or laptop. And it's in, it'll be in stores upon request from comic book store owners. So call your local comic book store owner and have them reach out to David Crownson. I will ship those promptly. Fantastic. And if they want to follow you on social media, how do they do that? Yeah, you can just follow me either on my Instagram and Twitter are both the same, D Crownson. Um, or you can find me on Facebook, David Crownson. I think I've, I might've reached my quota on friends on Facebook cause you're only allowed to have a, a few thousand friends, wow. but you, I, the, my Facebook is uh, open to the public. So you, you can still follow and comment, um, on my Facebook and see all my statuses and all that jazz. And, uh, yeah, I think, um, I'm trying to do a web series on YouTube red called black Irish that should probably be out later on. And I'm going to start production on later on this summer. Wow. And, you know, Harriet Tubman, Demon Slayer, hope, right now we're looking for a publisher so we can do like a little bit of a book deal uh, so we can have more comics come out so we can do the, four, the full 15 issue run of Fantastic. Fantastic. You're a busy man. David Crownson, it's been a pleasure to speak with you. Uh, thank you so much, Jonathan. Thank you for taking the time to have me. Really appreciate it. Yo, family, I know you enjoyed that conversation as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. This is Jonathan Soul speaking with you now. Then head on over to JonathanSoul.com and pick up my ebook, Malcolm Mars. Malcolm like the prophet, Mars like the planet. It's a sci-fi ebook space opera. Talks about three brothers to take their families, pack them up in a homemade starship, kind of like an egg-shaped SUV, and they take them tomorrow to escape the violence, racism, the bullshit, basically. And they want to start a new life on the rare planet. It's a lot of love. It's a lot of high drama. It's a lot of high tech. And most of all, it's a lot of black pride in that novel. So check it out, Malcolm Mars. Support this broadcast. Go over there to uh, Amazon.com and you can pick it up. Or you can go to my website, JonathanSoul.com, and it'll take you over to Amazon. Jonathan Soul, J-O-H-N. A-T-H-A-N-S-O-U-L on Twitter. Subscribe to the show on iTunes. Uh, follow me on Tumblr and Twitter. Over there, in addition to the broadcast, you'll also get my other interests. Photography, architecture, gorgeous sisters you'll see over there, and anime. I got a really uh, serious interest in anime, particularly that Ghost in the Shell slash Cowboy Bebop slash you know what I mean? Uh, Black Lagoon. You know, just kind of a a disport, you know, high tech, a little bit of dark uh, kind of vibration. But you definitely enjoy the images over there. Listen, guys, I love you guys. Thank you for sharing your time with me. I hope all your dreams come true. Find something that you enjoy as much as I enjoy doing this podcast. And you always guarantee some happiness in your life. Love you guys. Hope all your dreams come true. <laughs>